You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, Obey and all will be well. Moses has just recapped the Ten Commandments to the conquest generation. Then he says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. He says these laws were given for a reason, so that you may fear the Lord and enjoy long life. There is a correlation between obedience and blessing, conversely also between disobedience and a curse. This would extend to their descendants, children and grandchildren. They are to hear and obey. They are never to hear and then disregard, or hear and actively do the opposite. Hearing implies obedience. They were to be careful to observe it. These laws were not always easy to follow, but they were to be diligent in doing things as God specified, because they were ordered this way for a reason. Then another reason, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. The promised land of Canaan is always described in this way, as flowing with milk and honey. This speaks of provision and abundance of good things. They would soon possess it. It was first called this in Exodus 3.8, and the phrase is used six times in this book alone. Verse 4, the Shema. The next verse is called the Shema, meaning to hear. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is the Jewish confession of faith and was recited twice daily by the devout. This is a clear statement about the monotheism or one godness of uh, belief of the Jews. This does not imply singleness, but unity. The same word is used in Genesis 2.24 in reference to a man and woman being one flesh in a marriage. Therefore, it doesn't rule out the Trinity. Christians do not believe in three gods, but one God. Therefore, we have no quarrel with this verse. It can also be translated as, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone, implying exclusivity. And this is something Christians would also agree with. Verse 5, Wholehearted Devotion After acknowledging who this God is, they are told, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Because this God is worthy of love and worship, it must be our priority. Not half-hearted, but wholehearted love. In the previous chapter, God said he showed mercy to thousands who love him. He doesn't merely want to be feared, but loved and known. This is about relationship. The heart implies emotions. The soul is our whole being, 
and our strength implies our commitment to obey in daily life. All three parts of our being are to be engaged, thus demonstrating trinity in unity. King Josiah is described in this way. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. So this love must be sincere, not just outward conformity to his commands. It must be strong with all our being for him alone. It must be superlative, surpassing all other loves. It must be an intelligent love. We must know and understand him to see why he is worthy of our love. It is a unifying love. We are united to him in love. And we may think of love in sentimental terms, but here love is commanded. And this is done by focusing our thoughts on him and speaking about him and the things he has done to others. And this is how we prevent our love from growing cold. Verses 6 through 9. Understand the commands and teach your children. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. They were to learn them and meditate on them, so their obedience would be based on understanding rather than formal legalism. They say if you want to know if you really know something, teach it to someone else. They were to take these laws that they understood and impress them on their children. Other versions say to teach them diligently. So this was to be done in teachable moments as part of daily life. They were to talk about them when you sit down at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So sitting, walking, lying down and getting up pretty much covered every aspect of every day from beginning to end. God was to be the subject of their conversations inside and outside the home. This was an oral culture until the law was written, at which point reading would be added. Joshua 1.8 says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Later, when Moses would tell them what the conduct of their future kings would be, he would add, When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. And Psalms uh, 119.97 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. They were told to tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Hands symbolized what they did and foreheads what they thought. So all of life was to be influenced and directed by God's word. Solomon says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Proverbs 6, 20-22 says, 
My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. Later in Jewish history, they would take this literally and put verses in a little box called phylacteries and bind it to their hands and foreheads with thongs of leather. They were also to write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Because there are many types of learners, those who learn by hearing or by seeing or by doing, they were also to write these verses in their homes, so family members would have another way to learn them. Now we see this in many Christian homes as well. Verses 10 to 12, don't forget. God promises to fulfill his covenant promises to their ancestors. He doesn't say if, but when. It is certain. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What is this land like? Everything is already there waiting for them to use. There are large flourishing cities they didn't build, houses filled with all kinds of good things they did not provide, wells they did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves they did not plant. But the danger that comes <clears throat> when blessing is given so freely and we have things so easily is that we forget the source. They could get so focused on the gifts that they forget the giver. The reason they are going into this land is that he took them out of the land of their slavery and led them to it. They are to recall their redemption. Nehemiah would remind the returning exiled Jews of this time in their history. They captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took possession of houses filled with all kinds of good things, wells already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. They ate to the full and were well nourished. They reveled in your great goodness. And Psalm 105 recounts the history of the nation and says, He gave them the lands of the nations, and they fell heir to what others had toiled for, that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. The reason they were given these things was so that they would obey. This was to be personal and generational remembrance. It was to be both spontaneous and intentional. Forgetfulness is an enemy of faith. Verses 13 through 19, Warning Against Disobedience Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, <coughs> and take your oaths in his name. All these things go together. If they truly feared God and feared offending him, they would serve him only. They were to take oaths in his name. This was a pledge to affirm something as true. This bound them to fulfill any obligations they made. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. 
For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. They knew what idolatry was. They had seen it in Egypt. They would see it again in the land they would conquer. But they were not to imitate the practices of those nations. They were to be different. Their worship of God was to be exclusive, like a marriage relationship, because he was jealous for his glory and praise. He would not share it with wood and stone. Isaiah 42.8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. And in Isaiah 48.11, he says, For my own sake, for my own sake I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. We saw earlier that God's jealousy is unlike ours. The threat of destruction was the consequence if they would practice idolatry. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Massa meant testing because they tested God's ability to provide. And this event is recorded in Exodus 17, 1-7 when they complained of thirst and doubted that God was with them. In spite of their complaints, God still did provide water when Moses struck the rock. Testing God can mean failing to trust in his ability or presuming on his goodness by failing to believe he will judge disobedience. So negatively, they were not to disobey. Positively, they were to obey. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. So while commands and decrees are similar, decrees relate more directly uh, with detailed legal instructions. Stipulations are the conditions or requirements demanded as part of an agreement. So they were the specific details of how a law was to be carried out. For example, if the law regarded dietary restrictions, forbidden foods were listed. It was not left to their discretion. If they were to do what was good and right in the Lord's sight, it would go well with them, and they'd successfully conquer the good land they had been promised. God had given it to their ancestors by an oath. And just as they were to keep their oaths made in God's name, the precedent was that God would keep his own oath made in his own name. Verses 20-25, to 25, Teaching Opportunity Moses anticipated that future generations would not understand the history or reasons behind the many laws that set them apart from other nations. He says, in the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in, and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God. 
so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So the answer was fourfold. They had to acknowledge they were in a helpless condition, trapped in slavery in a foreign nation. But God redeemed them in a spectacular way. He judged the Egyptians in the process, and this was done because of his covenant with their ancestors. He brought them out of Egypt to bring them in to Canaan. There was a purpose to their redemption. These laws were given for their good. If they feared God and obeyed these laws, they would be kept alive and prosper. Those who were children at the time could see for themselves that God's promise had been fulfilled. This obedience was to be based on love rather than external legalism. God's oath was the reason to obey and blessing would be the result. So this chapter is about the theme of total devotion to God. We are to love God completely and this is based on who God is and what God has done. We are to fear God, serve Him, obey Him, and remember Him, and our obedience should be based on love. Saying we love God is meaningless. The proof is found in our lives. Where do we give the best of our energy, time, and money? Follow the trail of those things and you'll find your God. Does God get our best or the rest? Is our devotion lukewarm? Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? They would be blessed if they would obey. We are blessed when we obey. When they got to the promised land, they were greatly blessed. They had to recognize these were gifts from God. Everything good we have is because of the grace of God. In the Shema, they were taught that God was one. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day there will be one Lord and his name, the only name, says Zechariah 14.9. And Jesus quoted this section and didn't have a problem with the oneness of God. But he also said he and the Father were one. So other verses in the New Testament affirm this fact. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. So the Israelites were told to keep the word of God before their eyes. They literally wore them on their wrists and foreheads in phylacteries. Jesus warned his disciples about the Pharisees who wanted to be seen as holy. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. We don't need to do that, but our faith should be clear for all to see, and we should acknowledge God in all aspects of our lives. And we should meditate on God and teach our children. Jesus delighted to do God's will because his word was written on his heart. They were to love God wholeheartedly, and we are to love him in the same way, but we can only love him because he first loved us. And when our stony heart has been replaced by a heart of flesh, our love for God is measured in our love for Jesus, 
Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on them. John 3.36 He told the Pharisees, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Deuteronomy chapter 7. May God bless the study of his word.